Hey, everybody. Up next on the Matt Townsend Show, we're going to step aside from the horse race. We will not talk about polling data. We will not talk about any early voting results. Instead, what is it like for our candidates and their families to run a campaign? What causes stress? How does it feel on election night when your name is on the ballot? We're talking with a former U.S. Congresswoman right after the news. Good afternoon. I'm Katie Jarvis with Sirius XM 143 BYU Radio News. Authorities say two more people have died after being shot at a California chicken processing plant, bringing the death toll to three. Police have identified the shooter as Lawrence Jones. Police say Jones opened fire a few hours into his shift. Officers found him with a gunshot wound to the head and a woman bleeding from a wound to her lower back outside of the business. She is now in stable condition. Three other people were found shot inside the plant, and the reason for the shooting is still unknown, but there is an ongoing investigation. And there's been a final frantic round of campaigning today as voters decided who will occupy the White House for the next four years. Making one last pitch to Ohio voters, Mitt Romney and Paul Ryan were in Cleveland today, and so was Vice President Biden on a surprise stop. The two Republicans are also stopping in Pittsburgh. President Obama is going to be spending the day in Chicago reaching out to swing state voters on the phones. And many people living in the cities and towns devastated by Superstorm Sandy broke off from their cleanups, searches for keepsakes, and struggled to keep warm to vote today in the presidential election. And officials are saying that it's a good step towards recovery. Election officials in New Jersey and New York made special provisions for voters who had lost their homes after Sandy pounded the Northeast leaving many homeless and without gas to fuel their cars and polling stations without power. And this comes when temperatures have been dipping below the 30s throughout much of the East Coast. And a woman caught on camera driving on a sidewalk to avoid a Cleveland school bus that was unloading children will have to stand at an intersection wearing a sign warning about idiots like her. Court records show a Cleveland Municipal Court judge on Monday ordered 32-year-old Sheena Hardin to stand at an intersection for two days next week, having to wear a sign saying only an idiot drives on the sidewalk to avoid a school bus. Hardin's license was suspended for 30 days, and she was ordered to pay $250 in court costs. And that's the news. This is Sirius XM 143 BYU Radio. I'm Katie Jarvis. afternoon and welcome to the Matt Townsend show. I'm your host Matt Townsend, your relationship coach, your guide on the side. We're doing what we can on this program to help you and your loved ones grow healthier, happier lives, healthier, happier relationships. Welcome to the program today, the day of all days, the day of light and darkness, the day we all get in line and vote. And boy, have we got a show for you. We are going to talk about a little bit about politics, but not in the normal way. We're not going to rant about it. Actually, one of us will. We're not going to th- throw out any polls. We're not going to get into any uh, strategies, political strategies. We're not going to do any of that. What we are going to do is we are going to slowly uncover the human side of elections. We're going to be bringing on a past congresswoman, Enid Green um, Mickelson's her name, and we're going to be talking with her about what it is like to run an election, to win, 
to go be in government, and how does that impact you, your family? What's it like to be there on election night? Not sure what's going to happen. She's won a race or two. She's lost a few, and we're going to be having her on to talk about it. Also, we're going to be getting into some other tools. We've got a lot of work coming from our producers. As I look at their beautiful faces, I sit there and think, wow. Is this all we could get to put this group together? <laughs> I was going to say, they must need sleep. Yeah, you guys look That's sleepy. why we're on radio. How come you all get to look at the TV, and the TV is not where I can see it? Well, the bigger question is, how come on election day you guys have ESPN on? Oh, is ESPN on? That's, it's the wrong uh, station. It depends who you're voting for. I did see I, a I'm picture all for of... the sporting analogies for election day. I, I get what's going on. I mean, this is this the is your day, quarter, Two seconds left. It's that thing at the end of a soccer match or hockey, whatever you call it. Hockey. They, hockey. You know where the, the score is tied and the players line up and get to see if they can make a goal. What do they call it? A shootout? A thingamajig. Or, yeah. It's that. It's, it's, yes. This is it. Today's this is the, the great day. thingamajig. <laughs> well, the good thing about sports is you don't have to have the sound on for it to be exciting. And, That's true. And like, if we were watching the polls, it would just be like I don't know what we'd see people talking. No, Sport, you'd see numbers. Is still wrong, and I'm changing it right now. Oh. Whoa! Ouch! This that's, is election day. It comes only deal. once every four years. Don't you, don't give me a remote. Thank goodness. Too bad I can't watch it. Anyway, uh, let's talk about the human news. So on the program, we like to look at the human factor. There's just so many things. You know, that make life fun, interesting, exciting, and interestingly, they tend to revolve around humans. Nothing more predictable than craziness of humans. So any, anybody got some good news about humans doing the good, the bad, the ugly lately? Um, there's this woman who was in labor, but she postponed her trip to the hospital to vote. To while vote. She, she, was, she was voting while she was in labor. <laughs> this was in <sighs> Illinois. She's breathing through it. Lamaze voting. What happened? Did she have the baby? Um, I I don't know. She uh, they they actually caught up with her while she was on her way to the hospital. The reporters who wrote this article. Are so, you kidding? So she uh, she started going into labor, but she wanted to. It's her first child, and she's like, I thought I'd give my daughter or whoever did. I don't know if it's a daughter or son. Yeah, a daughter. Um, a good story, a good, a good example. Yes. So I I waited to have you so I could vote, and then on her way to the hospital, the reporters caught up to interview her real quick before she. Unbelievable. So does that count as two votes? That is two votes, and, two which votes? is interesting. It seems illegal to have someone else in the voting booth with you. I, that's what I hear. That's voting. what I hear. It's a they little weird. Mm-hmm. Just saying, ethical dilemma. Totally. In there. By the way, where did that take place? In Thornton, Thornton, Illinois. Interesting. Postponing her trip to the uh, labor room. I know a guy postponed his trip to the morgue to be able to vote. Boy, I wonder what she's going to name her baby. That might tip us on who she was voting for. Well, the whole article was about how she voted for Obama oh. because she wants her daughter to grow up on Sesame Street and PBS and Mitt Romney plans on cutting that. <laughs> okay. Well, that makes sense. <laughs> A near-death experience for Sesame Street. Excellent. There's one idea. Well, to be fair and balanced, we'll pretend this guy was voting for Romney. Yes, I don't, because we he don't hates know. birds. So uh, it was uh, from the eyes uh, – this is not the, the gentleman I, I speak of, but from the eyes of a guy named uh, Ty Houston who tells the Detroit News he's – a middle-aged guy who works for a, a care center. And he himself yesterday was filling out his absentee ballot. And, and a few other people, residents of the care center, were filling out their ballots. There's this uh, senior couple kind of right. sitting a table or two away. The wife's helping the husband fill out his ballot. And suddenly the guy just kind of slumps over. He just kind of – he wasn't really responding. And 
So, so Houston, he, he runs over there and kind of sets the victim out on the floor. And he says, this guy is dead. No pulse. No way. No breathing. Drops dead. Just in, in the middle polling. of voting. Yeah, voting. And so what's your primary concern? we got to get this guy CPR. to the hospital. The guy snaps back to life. What the? <laughs> and his first question is, did I vote? Uh-uh. He cared. He cared enough to come n- back. Number one concern. So, but anyway, they got, got him to the hospital. I don't know, sweet how he's doing. But did uh, he live? But more importantly, he voted. Well, but I guess the question is that you say he may have voted for Romney. Well, I don't know. I was just but balancing if he didn't it out. Live no then Obama's up two and Romney's down one. Hmm. The news. <laughs> well, it's a it's Doesn't a it, it's fair. a good commercial for early voting. Is that just in case – because once your vote is cast, it's cast. So if you're concerned about how long you might live, go vote early so that way your vote gets cast. That's a great idea. I did see a guy who was like on his deathbed and voted early so that he could vote. Really? Yeah, there's a picture. He voted. It shows him filling out his ballot and then right after that, he passed away. Really? Yeah. That's sad. What a way to go. No, it's it's hard – it's inspiring, and you're like, oh, the last thing he did was vote. Yeah. It's how you frame the story, man. That's really – it totally is. I probably would have just rather been with my family yeah. on my death. I mean, you know, you could be with the pollsters. But... That's a little weird, Matt, hanging out with your family. It's a little selfish. You know, there's your country. There's oh, yeah. your family. That's... Country's going to be here for a long time. Your family, you know. Family moves on. Family, they move on. Okay. Well, the they might move to Canada. Trouble. Right. Who knows? They might move out of out of the country. There are a lot, apparently. I don't know if you know this. A lot of dead people voting. But, but, well, people th- uh, voting right before they die. Nope, they're dead. Oh, they're dead. They found them. Thousands of dead Californians remain eligible to vote, and some are even casting votes. Wow! In Alameda, one thousand forty-six dead people on the regist- are registered voters. So, do they address the absentee ballots to the address of the mm-hmm. cemetery? Okay, so you know how you have Republicans. Independents, Democrats, dead people. Ah, the dead party. Mm-hmm. Do you think after you've died, you would change your vote, or would you vote differently once you had died th- and gone to the other side and realize what it's all about? Would you then come back and say, ah, okay, we totally need to take better care of this country and the world? Do you think you'd vote differently? I don't know. I haven't died yet. <laughs> yet. Let's test this. <laughs> Ask me after I die. Should we test the hypothesis? No. But people are dying. If you wanted to know, in San Francisco out there, guess how many dead people are on the registers? 380, 365 people. So are, the, people. are these people that were formerly registered voters and then just the processing of their death certificate that never got into the voting? No, apparently, or... yeah. Apparently, these are all they believe. There, there could be just something's going on. Something, you know. Voter fraud, maybe? Voter fraud, for example. But um, they also believe that it's about 25,000 people wow. that uh, are on the, on the roster. So they believe it's clerical error, but um, you know, you never know. One person did say that it's, it's, it's questionable. He says too many people have sacrificed and died for the opportunity to vote in this country to allow dead people to vote. Well, what if they were the ones that sacrificed – no, never mind. Don't ask questions. <laughs> so anyway, the dead are voting, which is pretty interesting. What else? Anybody else got news of the good, the bad, the ugly? I've got news, Matt. Did you know that your best friend could save your life? John? Well, if it's John. It's me. 
It's Sky, Sky, Sky I Boy. <laughs> I highly doubt it. <laughs> Sky oh, come on. In, in your case, I come think on. I think having that best friend will I guess ensure a, your demise. You need a best friend. <laughs> B, best if it's Skyboy, find another friend. <laughs> okay. How could my best friend help me? All right. There's a health study. Oh, All right. No. Here's here's like what it study? says. No friends is worse than being fat. Or it's equivalent to Heavy smoking. Really? Not having friends is just as bad for your physical health. As smoking. As smoking. So, you know, we make a big deal like, don't smoke, don't try cigarettes, don't do that. Not fat, Matt. Gosh. But I, what about it's worse. socialize my smokers. best friend, Sky? You know, those, those people who smoke, but they have lots of friends. Does it cancel it out? I'm going to assume, because those people tend to last pretty long. They totally do. I think it depends what you're smoking and... <laughs> If your friends are really good, caring friends. Now, we don't talk about frenemies in this. So okay, because that's different. Because I have a frenemy. <laughs> don't we all? Don't we all? That's interesting. So not having friends is equal to smoking and? Uh, obesity. And being overweight. And there's even things like not exercising. Take obesity out. Yeah, just, not just not exercising. Ex- See, friends matter. They do. They can save your life. They can keep you alive. What if your friends aren't real, but they're um, <laughs> but they're character? What do they call them on in in computer games? Um, they're characters in computer games. Avatars. They're avatars. avatars. What if all my friends are avatars? You know, on a psychological level, Is it's really like not that different. Like, what's that game where you like make your own life? Second life? Second life. Yeah, what if you have second life? What if if I'm really popular on Sims? Like, tons of friends. (laughs) You know, I think think that would be the next study to do, and you should do it, Matt. I'm too busy. You have a degree, don't you? I do. You have like seven degrees. I have seven degrees (laughs) and no friends. So I'm going to worry about friends right now. Is it hot in here? You guys are my friends. I'm sorry. You are. We're paid to be your friend. You're my paid friends. (laughs) Except for one of you. (laughs) Except for intern Dave. (laughs) Tyler. Tyler Mail, we call intern Ned. We're making up a new name every day for you, Ty. That's a new one. Intern Ned, do you have a good story for us? Of course. So we've talked today about death and birth, but I've got one that splits the difference, and that's marriage as far as the political thing goes. I mean, something we're thinking about is dating and who we're going to marry. I mean, would it be a problem for you if someone has really different political views? Yes. Yes? Yeah. Well, that's assuming you would talk. (laughs) I think I think it depends on how, like, active, in my case, she would be. Like, how... Like if she was like really politically active and like always trying to force it down. Like if she had a tattoo, yeah, of one of the political, of one of the political parties, parties or, or something like that. That'd be bad. In the old days, it wouldn't have been a problem because you'd get, you know, you get old and old people. You sit down in your recliners and you go to watch TV. Why do you want to watch Myrtle? Oh, we'll watch the CBS Evening News with <laughs> who was that guy before Dan Randall? Walter Cronkite. With Walter, Walter Cronkite. Cronkite. Well, Nowadays, you got to sit down and you're like, uh, what do you want to watch? And then you start this. Uh, we gonna watch Fox. We watch MSNBC. Yeah, now you can just the, go in separate rooms. You know, we're we're going to click on Huffington Post or on Drudge Report. You know, I actually actually know quite a few marriages where um, both of the parents, you know, are have very different political views and they're very um, 
active, like proactive about it. But they make it work somehow. But because I they want watch to hear what Scott Pelley. Ty- is this a study yeah. that they're saying? No, this is not a study. This is actually a dating site that I found over the weekend. Not that I was looking for one. Whoa! <laughs> explain <laughs> yourself. It was, it was a YouTube advertisement <laughs> for BlueStateDate.com. And the advertisement featured this couple at a party, and they were kind of hitting it off. And then as the guy asks the girl out, uh, her friend comes over and says, I think he's conservative. And suddenly, Uh oh, man, there was a wall that came up. And so you can go onto BlueStateDate.com and date fellow liberals such as yourself. Oh, neat. What about – is there a red state? I haven't checked for that yet. Is there a purple state? What I want to do is I want to sign up for this blue state date and put the most conservative answers just to screw with people on the website. Oh, that would be fun. I think that would be super fun. Let's do that. Let's do that as a group. Let's do that (laughs) in the post meeting after the show. Oh, and also – so there's an election special. um, And if you sign up for a premium subscription today and Obama wins the re-election, you get his entire second term free on this website. Wow. You know what? I bet there's hidden costs. Probably. There always but, are. Yeah. I don't know. That's so if you want to try that. Hey, do they have a, do they have a website for dead people? Oh, I don't know. Let's check that out. Let's see. Voting death? Vote dead voters. Let's try that. Yeah, I doubt uh, it. Moving along. <laughs> um, anybody else got newsage for the good, the bad, the ugly of the humans? You know, it's a tough day. There's a lot of people out there that might be, you know, have you noticed they're kind of somber? Oh, no, on the contrary. This is like Super Bowl Sunday. Oh, it's yeah. Tuesday and it's in November. Cool. This is fantastic. I've been looking forward to it all year long. I plan <laughs> to go. I've already gone out to lunch and I'm planning to go out to dinner and buy some kind of dessert. Oh, my word. Whoa, You're spending. spending a lot of money, yeah. Robbie. You well, need to slow down, It's not a somber day. It's a very exciting day. Remember, people die Even if you today. don't want to vote for any candidate because you don't like any of them. Just go to your polling location and cast an empty ballot. I've done it before. You just went out there in a primary. I thought both the primary candidates were being silly, and so I didn't vote for either. But you just do it. You feel like you're part of the process. That's an exciting day. It is an exciting day. Kind of something back to the health thing. Apparently, Facebook can make you fat. It's because you have no friends. No, all your friends it's actually, are fake. <laughs> um, they've done the study, and it's because um, when you go online, uh, your self control significantly decreases, um, whereas your self confidence increases. So you think, oh yeah, I'm cool. Like I can eat three, you know, ding dongs or whatever. Yes, and because you're, it's a combination of heightened. Um, yeah, you feel you feel more confident. Yeah, because you've been associating with your friends, you feel good about yourself because you're like. Well, yeah. what if you know you can eat three ding dongs? Well, you just kind of have to ask yourself. Should I? Yeah. Yes, I should because I'm starving. So, Matt, maybe you don't want to spend as much time on Facebook. Oh, but I like it. <laughs> I like it. The Facebook, Facebook, hmm. Facebook. I think I like more than politics. Even. How about you, Skyboy? Do I like Facebook more than politics? Mm-hmm. Just I testing, like, I like a lot of things more than politics. No! Okay, moving right along. <laughs> we come back. We are going to get into family and political blow-ups. You know, it doesn't matter who wins tomorrow. Maybe you and your family will still have a blow-up. Either way, thanks for joining. We'll be back right after this on the Matt Townsend Show on Sirius XM 143 BYU Radio.
NASA research has inspired some out-of-this-world hairstyling tools. This is Innovation Now, bringing you stories behind the ideas that shape our future. Lessons learned from research in space can wind up being used in a wide variety of industries, but one of the most surprising is a line of high-tech hair and cosmetic products based on nanomaterials developed by Dr. Dennis Morrison at the Johnson Space Center in Houston, Texas. Morrison's invention was a ceramic metallic nanoparticle delivery system, originally designed to deliver cancer medicine into tumors with high precision and first created in the microgravity of space. The side effect of Morrison's work attracted the attention of Farouk Shami, founder and chairman of Farouk Systems. Shami concluded that negative ions given off by the advanced composite materials could make hair healthier and easier to style. He incorporated the ceramic technology into Farouk Systems' Chi brand of hairstyling irons, and raised the bar for the entire hairstyling industry. Farouk also incorporates silver nanoparticles in several of their beauty products to disinfect and kill microbes without the use of harsh chemicals. Another lesson taken from NASA space missions. For an encore, Farouk Systems is exploring ways to adapt NASA's research on LED light treatment of skin to stimulate hair growth without chemicals. Research in space has never looked so good. Innovation Now is produced by the National Institute of Aerospace through collaboration with NASA. Visit us online at innovationnow.us. Do you want to hear all your favorite BYU radio shows while you're on the go? Now you can. BYU Radio's free iPhone app places all the BYU radio programming at your fingertips through your iPhone or iPod. Enjoy all your favorites at the touch of a button. Download your free iPhone app on the Apple Store now. Welcome back, everybody, to the Matt Townsend Show. Now, here is the deal. You know, it's one thing to be really good at politics, to be a good politician, to know how to work it, to know how to raise money. You may present a really good image. However, there's a lot of people around you that can mess it up. So no matter who wins the election tomorrow, there will be one camp of staffers who will be doing a post-mortem to try and figure out what mistakes their candidate made to cost them the election. But sometimes, even as a candidate does everything right, their family does something that ruins their shot. The Matt Townsend Show presents Top Political Family Blowups. Teresa Heights Carey. Yes, that Heights, like Heights ketchup. The wife of the 2004 presidential candidate, John Kerry, and during the campaign, she talked with USA Today back in July of 2004. They asked her about the differences between the first lady, Laura Bush, and herself, and she replied, Well, you know, I don't really know Laura Bush, but she seems to be calm, and she has a sparkle in her eye, which is good, but I don't know if she's ever had a real job. I mean, since she's been a grown-up. So her experience and her validation comes from important things, but different things. It was a weird comment, and it left the media scratching their heads. What was this billionaire with five houses, a private jet, and an income of $50 million a year thinking? Sarah Palin practically came out of nowhere when John McCain announced her as his running mate in August of 08. But they didn't wait for their October surprise. By the 1st of September, CNN was flashing the headline, Palin's teen daughter is pregnant. Well, like all political campaigns, private family matters get to bask in blinding spotlight. 
and I'm sure it made some awkward conversations at home for the Palin family. Now, of course, all of this was right before the Republican convention. So to fight this new political liability, they decided to drag the baby's father right out onto the stage with the rest of the family. I guess they were just trying to make the best of an awkward situation. But still, nobody wants to be the guy on national TV with that look in his eye of... John Edwards. He really can't blame any family members on this one, but during his 08 campaign, he had an affair with a campaign staffer. And when the news broke later, it really gave America an upset stomach because Edwards' wife was a cancer victim. That ended his political career, putting him in the league of other guys like Gary Hart. President George W. Bush hadn't been in office more than four months when this headline flashed across the BBC. Bush daughters in booze trouble. Turns out 19-year-old Jenna was pleading no contest to the charge of being a minor in possession of alcohol after police caught her drinking beer in an Austin, Texas bar. Now it's not uncommon to get that phone call late at night about underage drinking if you're the parent of a college-age child. But it's a little awkward when you have to tell the jail officer, I need to make a long-distance phone call to my dad. He's at 1600 Pennsylvania Avenue, Washington, 20500. Jimmy Carter had a brother. His name was Billy. And if you search for him, the first photo you find on the Internet shows Billy slouching in an unzipped jacket, a huge STP oil logo on it, as he's knocking back a can of beverage. Next, I find a YouTube video of Billy telling a reporter he's tired of all the attention he's getting and he just wants to find a cabin out in the sticks and just hide out for a while. A reporter asks him if he's still having trouble with his taxes. Billy twangs back, No, I square with the IRS. All the press members laugh. Now, here's a fun one that isn't terribly political. It's about Andrew Giuliani, an eight-year-old whose dad, Rudy, was taking the oath of office for the first time to become the 107th mayor of the city of New York. And naturally, any good politician wants to be surrounded by their wife and kids during their big moment. The problem was Andrew was so excited as his dad took the oath of office, so he started repeating every word his dad said. During Rudy's big speech afterward, Andrew grinned to the crowd. He smiled for the cameras and mouthed, My dad is a mayor. He blew kisses to the audience. He waved. He shook his fist in the air to emphasize his dad's more deliberate points. And as Rudy finished his speech, you could hear him shouting in unison with his dad, It should be so, and it will be so. Oh, families, aren't they great? Now, you didn't even get into, Rob, any uh, families in, let's say, England, London, well, let's I think say, I, the royal family. That's a good point. I mean, as bad as we, we look at you know, the well, all those examples there, really, but I, I was going well, to pick on the Kennedys, but I can't think of a Well, Teddy Kennedy example, and Chappaquiddick and all yeah, that. None of it holds a candle to even recent history with the British royal family, let alone what's gone over Ah. the last hundred years or so. You know, families, they're not going away. But it's interesting. When you win an election, you win it. The whole family's in it. Yeah. So, I mean, imagine honestly being Barack Obama's daughters. You're pretty much stuck. I mean, it's a great place to be stuck in. It's got a bowling alley in the White House. But, but they still had to leave Chicago and yeah. leave all their leave friends. Their friends. They didn't know how if it was going to be four or That's eight right. years before they got to move back. And by then all their friends will have moved on. It's and, a big deal. 
Big deal. Would would any of you want to have a political parent? Well, my dad actually was involved with politics. Really? Yeah. So, I mean, it was interesting, but really, like, it wasn't that big of a deal. You know, probably because it was just at the local level and, like, uh, one time at the state, but not, like, super intense. Most people are just like, okay, that's cool. Yeah, that's probably... It's just respect. You know, it's just not necessarily... Of course, we get... The crazies, that kind but of. But can you imagine having of, your dad expended all the energy that these two men have expended to to oh, get yeah. to where they are, and then one of them loses? Yeah, well, and you got to deal with that for ever. That would be really hard, especially considering how much the money they've the raised, money, the time, exactly. eighteen months or whatever they've and done. It's just kind of insane, you know. Just from like, just I just barely posted on Facebook last night, you know, of how it was funny because I used. Um, I'm planning on voting for one candidate, and I use the other candidate's website to verify where I would vote. And I posted, I kind of feel a little bit guilty about that. <laughs> and then straight away, like seven people commented, like, and I didn't even say, you know, oh, like, I'm pro, like, it implied, yeah. you know, but then also like seven comments of different people, like paragraph long opinions of, you know, what's Can't going on. It, yeah. And so it's just like, imagine, like, that would be really hard, you know, if you were one of the kids. It's Oh, I think it's intense. And, I mean, it, everyone's looking at you. Everyone's talking about you. You never get a break. Everyone's bringing up stuff. So we're going to be bringing on Enid Green Mickelson. Now, Enid served one term in Congress, uh, and she really is has so much insight on this. We're going to pick her brain, what it's really like to be in the political spotlight, how to survive, what works, what doesn't. We'll be back with Enid Green right here on the Matt Townsend Show on Sirius XM 143 BYU Radio. After months of fierce campaigning, it's finally time for 2012 election results. Tune in at 8 p.m. Eastern on November 6th for live continual updates on the neck-and-neck race between President Obama and BYU alumnus Mitt Romney. Our broadcast will feature experts from both parties weighing in and will be hosted by BYU political science professor David B. Magleby. Tune in at 8 p.m. Eastern on November 6th here on Sirius XM 143 BYU Radio. Good afternoon, I'm Katie Jarvis with Sirius XM 143 BYU Radio News. President Obama and Mitt Romney, after battling well into Election Day today, wound down their campaigns this afternoon, leaving it in the voters' hands to determine who will take the oath of office in January. Polls will begin to close as early as 6 p.m., with results expected to trickle in through midnight. The razor-thin margin between the candidates means the campaigns could be campaigners could be in for a long night. Election Day has proved unexpectedly busy for the different campaigns. While President Obama kept a low profile in Chicago, the campaign dispatched Vice President Biden to Ohio, where he visited Cleveland, and Romney, meanwhile, made stops in the key swing states of Ohio and Pennsylvania before heading back to campaign headquarters in Boston. And the toss-up states still include Colorado, Florida, Michigan, Virginia, and Wisconsin. And House lawmakers have issued a subpoena for the director of the pharmacy linked to the deadly spinal meningitis outbreak. This This came after he reportedly declined to appear before Congress next week. According to the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention, more than 400 people have been sickened by the contaminated steroid shots distributed by the compounding pharmacy, and 30 deaths have been reported. 
And this morning saw the introduction of a new Gerber baby model. She is an eight-month-old Mary Jane Montoya. Parents are from Fresno, California. Entered into her. Entered her into the Gerber's Facebook contest, and now their only child beat out more than three hundred thousand other baby contenders. They plan to invest Mary Jane's fifty thousand dollar prize into her college fund. And the 9/11 memorial is reopening today to the public a week after Superstorm Sandy flooded the World Trade Center site as it roared into New York. The storm that claimed at least 40 lives in the city spared the core of the World Trade Center memorial that will again receive visitors. It also spared the 9/11 artifacts that are to be displayed in the museum, still under construction. It had taken about a week to drain the floodwaters as high as 10 feet in places from the 16-acre site, and work was completed Monday afternoon using five huge pumps. And the memorial reopened this morning at 10 a.m. And that's the news. This is Sirius XM 143 BYU Radio. I'm Katie Jarvis. Good afternoon, everybody. Welcome back to the Matt Townsend Show. I am your host, Matt Townsend. Today we are talking about politics, and we really don't want to talk about them in a traditional way. You know, we're going to get behind the scenes. We're going to be asking Enid Green Mickelson, a former Congresswoman,、uh, really, what's the inside scoop? What are these people thinking? That have, I mean, there are so many people tonight whose lives are going to be made, maybe broken, a few,、um, just based on the the you know the vote. And so we're going to talk to her about that and the impact it has on families and just your psyche. So we'll be bringing her on in a minute. But before we do, whether you're young or old, or maybe somewhere in between, between we all have to choose between the same two candidates. But whatever the category is that we fall into, in the end, it's our responsibility to participate in our nation's political process.、Um, what made you decide to vote for the candidate that you did? I think I've I've been decided for a long time, and it's just basic policies. Party affiliation has a lot to do with it for me. I'd just say increasing deficits. I, I remember the Republican National Convention being being really cool. Well, probably when I campaigned for Barry Goldwater back in 1964. <laughs> What was it, 64? It happened during the last four years where、uh, I was kind、okay. of already turned. So, <laughs> yeah,、okay. it,、uh, there, there wasn't really much of a turning point. Well, I I, I don't like what Obama has done. I voted for Barack Obama last election. Okay. And although I don't think he's a perfect candidate, I、mm-hmm. agree with a lot of his.、Mm-hmm. Um, International policies, and so I decided to vote for him again. Where do you go to inform yourself about the candidates?、Um, radio, internet, newspaper, TV.、And、newspaper、um, helps me more than anything. Probably uh, uh, NPR. NPR. Yeah, that's where I get most of my、uh, news and information from. Big advocates of CNN. We like—I don't know—we like watching. We like reading the news. I don't know. We like going through the liberal news, but looking at it through a conservative approach. You feel like you get a better idea of what's actually going on. I watch Fox News on Fox Channel Forty Nine. Equally reading both both sides, so that you know you're not getting heavily like swayed to one side or the other. I mean, I I lean more towards Fox News, but I try、okay. and kind of balance it out at the same time. I'll、right. I'll venture over、right. to CNN and MSNBC to kind of get both sides of it. I listen to NPR a lot. A lot of internet, radio,、oh, TV, definitely. What do you think is the the least effective way for the candidates to put their views forward? I think TV commercials are 
a huge waste of money. Don't trust Twitter. Robocalls. I'm the most yeah. apolitical person. <laughs> You'll That's ever fine. Make. So then why do you vote? Does it really matter? Yeah, it does. It really does matter. It's an important thing to do. Excellent work from Tyler Mail. Our intern, he also goes by Ned, Gus, and Dave. So we appreciate we appreciate that work going to the polls. Uh, it's got to be an interesting thing um, to know all of these people have an opinion of you, and you don't know any of them. So we're bringing on Enid Green Mickelson. Now, Enid served as a congresswoman representing Utah's 2nd Congressional District. Uh, she was the third woman from Utah to serve in Congress, born in San Rafael, California, grew up in Salt Lake City, uh, received a law degree from Brigham Young University. She also worked on one of our former governors. Um, she, she was the chief of staff of one of our former governors here. She ran in 1992, lost to Karen Shepard, ran again and beat Karen Shepard in 1994 and served one term in Congress. So Enid Green Mickelson, welcome to the program. Thank you, Matt. It's good to be with you. You too. That's quite a little bio there. <laughs> I know you hate just sitting there waiting for that to all be said. Well, yeah, that, that's right. And I think, oh, people don't care. They don't care. <laughs> now, Enid, fill us in, because seriously, uh, all these people have an opinion, and none yeah. of them really know these people, these politicians. Do we? Um, no, you don't. And, 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 and sometimes it's the fault of the candidate, but a lot of it's the fault of the system. Yeah. Um, I, I actually have a name for how I think people viewed me. I call it the creature because I felt like it was so. It's so endearing, removed. by the way. Oh, thank you. Uh, yeah, my husband said the beast. I the said, beast. No, 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 the I like the creature better. Yeah, and 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 the reason I say that is simply that when you are trying to, to talk to people about issues, you're trying to to to, to convince them that that you represent them. Sometimes that message comes through garbled, and as mm. I say, sometimes that's the candidate's fault. Right. But sometimes it's just how do you do that in thirty or sixty second sound bites? So uh, you know, I had somebody once come up to me and say, "Do you even own a pair of jeans?" And I started <laughs> to laugh because you know, if you see me around the house, that's my it. kids will tell you my my Jammies. uniform is a you know Costco polo style shirt and jeans. Yeah. In fact, you the know? neighbors have been complaining about that. Either. I know, because, because I, I always look the same, you know, and, and it's a good day if I don't have my hair up in a ponytail. And but before you, you had a little business suit on. Yeah. 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 So, so it's, it, it is, it's an interesting thing to try to see yourself through someone else's eyes mm-hmm. and see what it is that they are seeing that to you seems so foreign you didn't even think of them yeah. thinking of that. Yeah, that's not even who I am. I mean, yeah. it's got to be hard on your psyche because you're reading stuff all the time. You're seeing stuff, uh, c- political cartoons about you. Yeah. All of a sudden, you're free game. You, you absolutely are. And, and what a lot of people don't recognize is that in the United States, it is extremely difficult for a public figure, whether that's a candidate, an office holder, a movie star, you know, anybody who is kind of out there in the public domain, mm-hmm. um, you can't really sue them for, for slander or libel. Oh, really? Um, you, you can try, but you have to prove that they knew that what they were writing at the time was false. I see. So you have to prove someone else's state of mind. So th- that's why you never see any of these people saying, well, I'm going to sue you. It doesn't do any good. Yeah, right. 
though, you do have to develop kind of your own armor to say, you know, I'm not going to let the opinion of people who really don't know me tear my own self-image apart. Right. So, and that, and that's why you get some people in politics who've got pretty hefty egos, <laughs> which is not always a good thing. But if if you don't have at least some ability to say no, you know, despite what they're saying about me, yeah. you know, I'm a strong person. I deserve this office. I could I could do it well. If you don't have at least some of that, you really shouldn't get into the race in the first place because you're not going to do well. And, and you're going to be kind of a psychological mess at the end of it. Well, I wonder if we're not creating uh, such conditions that all we're maybe getting are psychological messes. I, I think there's a lot of truth to that. <laughs> you know what because, I mean? Yeah, I do. Because, you know, I, I mean, I've had people encourage me to run again yeah. over the years. And I think, do I want to do that to my kids? Yeah, really. You know, I remarried about five years ago. And I thought, am I going to put a brand new family through the stresses of a campaign? And my conclusion was no. No way. I, you know, I am not going to do that. And and so you end up with a lot of people, whether it's trying to protect their reputation, maybe they've had a, you know a lot of professional success, and they think, I'm not willing to go out and have people take pot shots at that. It can be because they're concerned about their family, which I think is a very legitimate concern. Right. Um, so you end up with a lot of people who would be very good at the office saying, I'm not going to go and put myself out there. I've got other things I can do with my life. Well, yeah, and one that where you don't take as many hits, one yeah. where you change maybe even more lives. Yeah. And you don't have to spend as much money. Well, you know, and you mentioned changing lives. I, I think... The good part of public service and the part that made me so excited about doing it was that on a good day, when you feel like the vote went the right way and you changed a policy, you can be impacting millions of lives for the better. Yeah. Um, And so it's hard to think of a place where you can have that much positive impact by the same token when things go wrong and you think the wrong policy is put into place, mm-hmm. it's very discouraging because you feel like, my gosh, we've just hurt millions of people. But it's not one where you get a lot of the one-on-one impacting someone's life. Now, there's a little of that yeah. if, if you're good representative. Like with your constituency where they need exactly. help getting into the Naval Academy. If the Naval Academy, or we help someone cut through red tape on an international adoption. Hmm. Um, you know, there are things like that where the public will never know them. Right. But that's okay. That, you know, it, it's, some, it's some family's personal story. And, and as an elected official, sometimes you get the privilege of helping somebody in a tough spot like that. So you can have some of those one-on-one impacts. But for the most part, you're dealing on a bigger, broader level. It seems like, uh, too, I mean, I guess that's the powerful thing is because if you can connect into that that more selfless purpose, I guess it might kind of keep your ego in check. Yeah. And then um, that, that, I guess, gives you some, some semblance of hope. And then when you were back there in D.C., it was in 94. Four. Mm-hmm. So it's interesting. Have we just become much more um, polarized now? 
Yes, and what's disturbing to me about that, when I went back there, that was when there was the big changeover, and Newt Gingrich yeah. became Speaker, and, and the Congress had not, or the House, rather, had not been uh, run by the Republicans for 40 years. Mm-hmm. So you had a number of, you know, the, they call them the old bulls, these chairmen who had been chairman of these committees for decades, oh, literally. Wow. And... We got back there, and as you can imagine, there were some pretty raw feelings yep. about some of these people who lost these positions that they'd held <laughs> for many years. So we kind of thought at the time, and everybody kept saying, oh, this is, this is the worst it's ever been. We don't see how it could be any worse. And there was a lot of criticism for that Congress for that very reason. I look at it now, and, and, and I've talked to friends that have remained in office that went back at the same time that I did, yeah. you know, their first election. And they say, you know, those were the good old days. Oh, wow. We wish it was like it was then, because it would be such an improvement. Mm. And it, it's really troubling. But, but I have to say, Matt, I think that's a reflection of where we are as a nation. And, and I'll give you an example. Yeah. The, the, the best example in this election that I've seen is, there was an ad that was put out, not by one of these super PACs. So this wasn't something where the candidate could say, gee, it's, you know, it's somebody else us, is right. doing. And it was the ad that was done by uh, Lena Dunham, who is, is the creator of an HBO series called Girls. Yeah, I saw that. You saw that. Yeah. And, and, and it was the, you know, the your first time. Your first time. It was, yeah. Yeah. And the thing is, Matt, there are some people who think that's a terrific ad. Yeah, like, that's brilliant. <laughs> yeah. The, 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 I mean, this was something the Obama campaign put out under their auspices. And so there are some people who think that's a terrific ad. And there were some people like me who said, okay, this is the end of civilization. Like, what is that? It. Yeah, why are we? Yeah, exactly. So you're <laughs> saying I that thought, disparity is, is right. telling. And so because we're so divided, yeah. I think, as a nation— we're seeing that reflected in the people who are sent back there to represent us. Oh, that's so true. And, and yeah, and then we're probably scaring away a lot of good people. Yeah. And it, making it so difficult. We're going to take a break, Enid, uh, and come back with you. I really want to get into the toll it takes on you personally, day in, day out, on your family, on your life. I also want to maybe get into... Um, what, what are they all thinking? What are all these candidates right now, what, three hours away maybe from finding out, four or five hours away depending? What's going through their head? How do you prepare? And uh, just love to see kind of an inside look at that. We're talking to uh, Enid Green Mickelson, former congresswoman from Utah. She's incredible. We'll be back with more Enid right here on the Matt Townsend Show on Sirius XM 143 BYU Radio. Future bridges, airplanes, and even spaceships may be made out of super-strong, fiber-reinforced foam. This is Innovation Now, bringing you stories behind the ideas that shape our future. A company based in Dayton, Ohio, called WebCore Technologies, has developed a lightweight, high-strength structural material that can be used in everything from wind turbine blades and truck bodies to rail car decks and even temporary runways. The technology is a fiber-reinforced foam core called Tycor. 
The foam is covered with fabric skins and stitched with reinforcing fibers, then filled with resin to make a super strong yet lightweight composite material. The U.S. Navy tested a composite Tycor door and found it to be stronger and half as heavy as some existing watertight doors. The cutting-edge composite material is being used in aircraft parts, bridges, and military shelters, and it could even be applied to spacecraft parts. The company is even exploring the possibility of replacing traditional manhole covers with fiber-reinforced covers that could better handle heavy vehicles. The technology was originally tested by NASA's Ballistic Impact Facility at Glenn Research Center. NASA was looking for a super-strong foam core material to encase aircraft engines and help prevent catastrophic aircraft damage in case of an engine failure. The fiber foam core material might be lightweight, but it acts like a heavyweight. Innovation Now is produced by the National Institute of Aerospace through collaboration with NASA and is distributed by WHRV. For those BYU radio programs you may have missed or even just want to hear again, subscribe to BYU Radio on YouTube. There you can find archive shows from programs like The Morning Show. Just search BYU Radio on YouTube and subscribe. Welcome back, everybody, to the Matt Townsend Show. We are talking with Enid Green Mickelson, who was a former congresswoman for the state of Utah, and uh, we're trying to figure out what these candidates are going through. She served for two years as our uh, congresswoman representing Utah's second congressional district. Enid, welcome back with us. Thanks, Matt. So uh, as you're sitting there, you remember this, and, and I remember you had a really tight race in 92 with Karen. Yeah. And um, so you had the losing side, then two years later, the winning side. Right. What's that like? I mean, you've put, <laughs> you, you would have put so much energy into it. Yeah. Are you exhausted? It's... Do you care anymore? Yeah. <laughs> um, you care. I bet you You care. really care, but you are exhausted. And, mm. you know, for the candidates whose races are all, you know, you know what the outcome is going to be, like Senator Orrin Hatch here right. in Utah. You know, this is not a nail-biter for him or for his opponent. And, and so for, for his opponent, it's kind of a bittersweet thing. But, and I say that because the sweet part is, okay, this is going to be over, and I don't have to keep going out and doing this when I know that there's no longer any hope. Yeah. No, uh, answer me this. Yeah. Answer, riddle me this, Enid. Yeah. Why would somebody run against somebody that knows, I mean, when you know you're going to get smoked? Because they're doing it. I mean, it's uh, happening a lot, I guess, right? For some, it's a different strategy for different people. Some people do it because they, they want to run for something else in the future, and they mm-hmm. think it's a way to get their name out. Some people do it because they think there's just that tiny spark of a chance that, that something might go their way. I've got to tell you that, that neither of those answers or neither of, of those reasons would ever have motivated me. No way. Now, to me, if it's not a potentially winnable race, I can't see why you put yourself and your family through it. Yeah. But, but plenty of them do. Do the, parties, do the parties approach you and say, hey, we need, you know, we need a sacrificial lamb here, but whatever. Um, 
But we'll, we'll, then we'll keep you in mind for the next big one. Some do, and, and each party, I'd say, can do that. But, but what I've got to tell you is this. For anybody who's approached like that, mm-hmm. don't believe the future promises. <laughs> they're politicians <laughs> telling you that. Well, and, and, and they're people that, you know, next time... They may not be the state party chairman or the county party chairman. That's true, and then and, all the, and, everyone forgets what you did. Yeah, and, and, and it may be that they found the perfect candidate. So for me, at least, it was never a question of mm. you know, somebody coming up to me and saying, we want you to do this. Right. It was you stepping forward and saying, you know, I believe I can do this job. I, I believe I can earn people's trust. And if you're doing it for these other reasons, I think, I've got to tell you, Matt, I've never understood it, and, yeah. and their minds work a little differently than mine does. Yeah, I mine too. I mean, it, yeah, you got to weigh your costs. You do, and, and the thing is, it, it, there's never a, sh- a sure thing. So no. I'm not saying that, gee, I'd only do this if I was sure I was going to win. That's not it. it you know, most yeah. things in life are a calculated risk. Right. But, but you do have to kind of weigh out, you know, is this something that, that's really possible um, and, and the people who do it for these other reasons, you know, if it's worth it to them, more sure. power to them. Maybe but, I guess, yeah, they want attention. Or maybe they've just got dirt on somebody. <laughs> <laughs> so either they know they can win or they've got really good dirt that gives them a shot. Oh, uh, well, no, I, I will tell you, I remember when I was elected, um, there was a guy who was running against Dan Rostenkowski. Mm-hmm. Now, those of us who are old enough to remember him, he had been the head of the House Appropriations. Yeah, he got in trouble. Or, excuse me, Ways and Means, yeah. yeah. Was and he from Ohio? Where was he from? He came from Illinois. Okay, yeah. And a guy named Mike Flanagan, young guy, n- never held political office before, had filed to run against him. Mm. And here came Mike Flanagan, <laughs> who, who won because, you know, he filed before anybody knew that Rostenkowski had broken the law and was ultimately headed to prison. Right. It's and easy to beat him Flanagan, in prison. Yeah, he did go to prison. Wow. And, and Mike Flanagan knew that he would only serve one term because he said, I know they'll come back and get me. He said, but I've had the opportunity to serve here. And, wow. And he did serve for one term. But, you know, that in that one term, we did a lot of good things, and he, he was able to vote for things he believed in. Isn't that interesting? That's kind of noble, isn't it? Well, it, it is, and, and he, we used to kid him because you know and when when we'd say you know because he knew he wasn't going to be back yeah well it's kind of suicidal noble yeah and then he'd laugh and he'd say yeah but they call me the honorable for the rest of my life that's exactly right (laughs) the honorable congressman isn't that interesting so and he was kidding that that was not his thing but um you know i think for some people that may be enough works what's going through their head right now enid well, oh, it, it, this is a really tough time because at this point, there is nothing more you can do. Right. You know, you, you can't go out and change the results. No. You, all you can do at this point is wait for them. Do you think they know? Do you think, uh, do you think a President Obama or a, or a Mitt Romney, do you think they're sitting there kind of knowing? No. You don't I, think so? I will tell you that I absolutely believe in this presidential race that each side thinks they're going to win. Oh, my heavens. And the reason they think that is because each of their pollsters truly believes that they're going to win and that they've told them that. And the reason for that is 
as, as these pollsters go out and they, and they choose their sample, they figure out, you know, how many Republicans are going to vote this time, how many Democrats are going to vote this time, they're making those kinds of calculations based on historical data. Yeah. And what we've got this year is nobody knows. Are we going to have as big a turnout as we had in 2008? Or is it going to be more like 2010? Right. Nobody, nobody knows. knows. So each of those campaigns built a model that they believe in, and they executed their strategy accordingly. And both sides, I firmly believe, think they're going to win tonight. See, that's it. Because everyone, you kind of get a feeling that somebody's just blowing smoke. But really, they just all believe. They all believe. And, and they have I, to believe, really, right, to sell the goods. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, Mitt Romney didn't go to two more places today because he knew he was going to lose. Right. He's there because this is tight and I'm going to do everything I can. Yeah. So I really believe that both sides believe they're going to win tonight, but both of them are nervous. Um, because look at, look at the change in your life. Oh. You know, it's yeah. January, somebody's going to be sworn in, while tonight... Somebody's going to go back home and think, what do I do now with the rest of my life? Right. See, now, um, if I was Barack, I would think that'd be cool because it's Hawaii. I'd yeah, want to go back to Hawaii. But you know what? He only wants to go back four years from now. That's true, he right, huh? He want to go back in January. Yeah, see, that's where I'm different. I'd want to go right now. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know why. So maybe that makes you healthier, man. I think it is. I think I just need a vacation. <laughs> maybe that's what it is. But, but it's tough, you know, and, and take it out of the presidential. Put it at these, you know, people who are running for congressional office. Oh, I mean, they're going to move. Do I move my family back to D.C. or right. not? And, and do I move it for just two years? Because I've got to be back up uh, oh, see, running for I think that's the worst job right there. Yeah, you, you had to run every two years. That's well, horrible. Well, there's a reason that yeah. people try to jump from the House to the Senate anytime they get a chance. Just and the reason is because in the Senate you have to run every six years. And on the House side... I don't care how safe your district is. It is just a hard slog to have to run every two years. Oh, yeah. And, I mean, that's got to be such a weight on the families. Yeah, and, and I will tell you, Matt, I think in some ways it's harder on the families than it is on the candidate. Mm-hmm. And the reason I say that is, you know, if you're the candidate, you know, we talked about the fact you've got to build up a little bit of armor and be ready to go out there and take those slings and arrows if it's your spouse that's having to hear all this, um, that spouse, you know, would love nothing better than to stand up and defend you, and and yet they can't. I mean, right. they, 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 you know, they can say, oh, that's not the person I know, and, you know, I have great faith in my, you know, fill-in husband or wife. But they're not the ones that can really go out there and, and try to make that defense. They're sitting back there trying to think of how to support that exhausted candidate when they come home at midnight. Um, and, and at the same, so stay positive for them. Right. Not make an issue out of saying something, you know, in defense of their spouse that's going to make headlines in a negative way. You know, and it's just like being a parent. I mean, when your child is upset about something, what do you want to do? You want to go out and fix it. And, and a spouse can't do that. Yeah. Um, another thing that's really tough, if you've got school-age kids, um, you know, what is it that their classmates are saying to them every day and hearing every mm-hmm. day about mom or dad? It's just a big, big sacrifice. It, it really is. I, I, I can tell you, and I won't tell you who it is, 
but um, one member of Congress, you would know, mm-hmm. um, told me that just very early into his career, and he had a long career, his kids said, Dad, we're not going out to dinner with you anymore when, when you're at home. They, they would do it in Washington, D.C., because in Washington, D.C., congressmen are a dime a dozen. Right. And everybody's used to it, and, and people kind of give them some space. But this person said, my kids said, Dad, when we go out to dinner with you at home, we get tired of the fact all these people come up to you, and some of them are mad at you, and some of them are telling you how great you are, but you never get a chance to talk to us. And they literally refuse to go out to family dinner anymore. Oh, that is so sad. It is. Enid, let's do this. Let's just hold you through this break. And when we come back, we'll have to wrap up. But I want you to just tell us why it's really more about country than it is about the politics. Okay. Okay. Uh, We're talking to Enid Green-Mickelson, the honorable congressman, former congresswoman, Uh, from the 2nd Congressional District in Utah. We'll be back right here on the Matt Townsend Show on Sirius XM 143 BYU Radio. KBYU FM HD2 Provo. BYU Radio's Highway 89 features unedited performances from talented musicians. With genres from rock to classical and everything in between, Highway 89 can take you on a musical journey, all from the performance studio at the heart of BYU Radio. Join us for this mixtape adventure with Highway 89, Monday through Saturday at 10 p.m. Eastern on Sirius XM 143, BYU Radio. Good morning, I'm Katie Jarvis with Sirius XM 143 BYU Radio News. Election Day has arrived and it seems like some social media addicts are proving to be so enthusiastic that they may be breaking the law. Several reports have been filed that people are posting photos of their filled out ballots and even voting booths on Instagram, raising questions over whether or not the practice is legal. A simple search of the hashtag vote on Instagram shows a handful of photos of ballots, voting booths, and people posing in front of polling locations. The Citizen Media Law Project is an organization that encourages people to document their votes. But whether or not it is legal depends on state policy. And in states like Florida, Georgia, Kentucky, and Texas, it is illegal to take photos or use any kind of recording equipment at polling sites. And the world's rarest whale, previously known only through bone identification, has been spotted in New Zealand, where a mother and her male calf were examined. The spade-toothed whale previously had not been seen in the flesh, and it was not clear if the species was extinct or not. The whales had been misidentified before, but DNA testing proved that they were, in fact, the extremely rare species. It's not clear why they were not identified by bones found in 1872 and has remained so elusive to humans, but officials say that there may be many different forms of marine life that are still unknown to us. And researchers at the University of California in Davis released a study today that should give anyone with even mildly elevated blood pressure a reason to be cautious. It seems that having blood pressure higher than the optimal may be aging your brain and putting you at risk for memory problems, and even eventually for dementia and Alzheimer's. Doctors are saying that high blood pressure should be controlled to prevent brain aging, and this is true no matter what age you are. What this would mean to people in their 30s should get their regular their blood pressure regularly tested, something that most people do until they're much older. 
And there's been a final frantic round of campaigning today as voters decide who will occupy the White House for the next four years. Making one last pitch to voters in Ohio, Mitt Romney and Paul Ryan were in Cleveland today, and so was Vice President Biden on a surprise stop. The two Republicans are also stopping in Pittsburgh. President Obama is spending the day in Chicago reaching out to swing state voters on the phones. And that's the news. This is Sirius XM 143 BYU Radio. I'm Katie Jarvis. Welcome back, everybody, to the Matt Townsend Show. We're trying uh, to talk about politics and hopefully be not too political. We're trying to get the human side of politics. We have been um, talking about you know, the impact of running for office, what that's like. We're uh, discussing this with former Congresswoman from Utah's 2nd Congressional District, Enid Green-Mickelson. Welcome back to the program, Enid. Thank you, Matt. Good to be here. Good to have you. Now, um, again, it's so easy to get kind of polarized, as as you've seen and um, and we've talked about. But tell me, okay, so somebody that sat in the, the halls, the biggest, most important meetings of our time, you've been in some of those rooms, you've had some of those discussions. What? Why? Why does this all matter for the people that are exhausted, that are maybe sitting there thinking, do I really care? Do I really want to go vote still? Why does it matter? Well, I'm going to tell you, it's going to sound corny, Matt, but but it is absolutely a true story that that when I was privileged to go back and be in Congress, if you've ever looked at the House of Representatives floor, you know that behind the Speaker's chair, there's a big American flag that's hanging from the wall. And I was lucky enough to be asked to chair a number of our sessions. And whenever I would do that, and I, before I would go in and you know, take over the microphone, I would just touch my fingertips to the bottom of that flag hmm. to remind myself where I was and what this was about. Because sometimes you can lose sight of that, yeah. even as an elected official. Um, and, and I would think I am standing here at the speaker's podium of the greatest country in the world. And, and I say that because we are the nation that I think most closely reflects the values of, of, of valuing the individual, of freedom, of all of those things that the Founding Fathers recognized and made the foundation of our country. Mm-hmm. Those things are still the foundation of our country today. And all of the differences that we have and all of these nasty negative ads and all of those things sometimes cloud our vision so that we forget what this is really about. And I saw a story today about international visitors who are here who are absolutely stunned how much trust the American people have in our electoral system. They say, we couldn't do this in our countries. Right. People simply wouldn't believe that, that these things hadn't been tampered with. Yeah. You know, and we have little stories like that, but, but really, our country is based on those same principles that we all say we believe in. So when people say to me, oh, it doesn't matter, I, you know, I, I don't care to vote, I think you don't appreciate what you have. Yeah. You don't realize how different most of the people of the rest of the world 
uh, the difference in circumstances that they live under and what a privilege it is for us. And it does make a difference. There are two very different philosophies right now. And, and you know, people get upset and say, well, we need a third party. You know, right. maybe you, know, you can say that, but the fact is right now we have a choice between two pretty different philosophies in how the American dream should go forward. And if you really don't care, then don't go vote. But if you think it makes a difference, if you think it makes a difference in how your kids are educated, in, in what kind of taxes you pay, in whether you have a job to go to, if you think those things matter, you really need to go pick a side and vote. I agree. We also need to, I guess, be grateful that there's people that are willing to step up to put themselves through this. Yeah, because it, it is very, very tough. And, you know, there's that wonderful quote from Theodore Roosevelt about the man who steps into the arena. Yeah. And that is one of my favorite quotes, because I, I do think, you know, and nobody holds a gun to the heads of these candidates. Right. And, and they get no sympathy. <laughs> no. <laughs> you know, people say, oh, then you shouldn't have run. Right. But they're still human beings. Um, they still have families they love. They still actually have feelings, most of them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they're and not beyond feeling yet. Not, no, most of them still really do have some personal reaction to some of this stuff. That's neat. And, and it's, um, it's good that we still have people who are willing to step forward. And the only way that we'll get other people to continue to step forward is if we as voters reward that. Um, people will stop running negative ads when they stop working. Right, don't you? Th- yeah, exactly. Uh, you know, so, so we as the public have some responsibility ourselves to, to support candidates that we think are, are, are doing positive things, that, that treat us with respect, that actually care about what we think. If we'll support those candidates, we'll get more of them. Oh, I love that. I, I mean, it really is in our power. And even though this may not be playing out in every state, but you know, we're down to five really important battleground or nine battleground states, your vote still matters because like, I love that you're, we're teaching our children that we have a voice, that we have a say. Yeah. We're, you know, we're handing down to our children a democracy and this, this idea that you're a choice, you're an agent of your own making. And it's not just on the presidential level. Right. It matters who sits on your school board. Right. You know, it matters who represents your county, who is your mayor. I mean, all of those things matter. Mm-hmm. And, and my, my first rule of thumb is I tell people all the time, if you don't vote, you can't complain. Yeah. I just, if you're not willing to vote, I, I don't want to hear what you have to say about it because the, the first place that you can make your views known and the most powerful place is when you go out and vote. And if you don't at least do that, then, then I have a hard time taking seriously your concern about any particular issue. Right. Isn't that interesting? Um, well, I appreciate the interview. Tell me, uh, just as we wrap up, Enid, we always like to ask like one th- the, the one thing that makes the biggest difference. So what's the one thing you and all of your experience that you have learned that um, about maybe just about, I guess you kind of got into that with being on the floor of the Congress, but what, what's the one thing that you're most grateful to when it comes to this day? Your, best, your biggest lesson? Okay, biggest what, what I will say is that I have tremendous faith in the American people. 
I believe that when the American people are given sufficient facts, that 99% of the time we will make the right decision. I think our greatest challenge is that sometimes politicians don't see it in their best interest to tell us the truth. Mm. And so our challenge as citizens is to seek out the truth, to get the information that we need. I fault politicians who sometimes think, you know, that, that the public isn't interested in, in the facts. Yeah, you know, can't or, handle or the facts. Right. Yeah. So the thing that I am very grateful for, I guess, you know, yeah. today as we look at Election Day, is the faith that I have in the American people when they have accurate, true information. And, and I see shows like yours and a lot of other, of, of other shows as a great source to get that accurate information to people because I trust them to make the right choice right. when they get that information. Love it. Enid Green Mickelson, former congresswoman uh, representing Utah, uh, so appreciate you. Now, you're going to be on later tonight, right? On I am. BYU. I'm going to be on at uh, 7 Mountain Time. 7 Mountain Time, 9 Eastern Time, kind of doing a wrap-up of the elections, um, I guess giving an inside look as to to how it all went down, and we're just going to be squeezing more out of your brain, Enid. <laughs> we'll see if we have any answers. <laughs> I know. Then. I think you will. <laughs> I think you will. Enid, thanks so much. Thanks. Have Matt. a great day. You too. Take care. Good stuff, uh, really. Uh, y- you know, it's people that have lived it, like Enid, um, I guess I should have been calling her a congresswoman, but she's such a friend, it's hard to do that. Um, it's, they, you know, they put their head out on the line. I mean, their head, their neck is so stretched out. Uh, it's so vulnerable. And as I, as I look at all of these candidates out there, um, really, they're, they're doing their best. And so we don't need to hate, we don't need to have contempt. Uh, we're all just lucky that we're in a system where we can um, be willing to to have it be a free system where we can just hear their ideas and cast a vote. Um, now, as part of that, do you remember, think back to the first time that you voted? Okay, now one of our producers, um, Madison Allred, actually went out today and cast her first ballot to vote. And she happened to record her experience. So let's listen to see how it all turned out. All right. I'm just headed down to um, my voting precinct, getting ready to cast my vote for the very first time. Um, it's kind of cool. I mean, you know, when you are younger and you think, oh, you know, when I get older, I can do this and this and this. And it's just kind of taking advantage of being an adult. You know, I can cast my vote for who will be the president and who will be in the House and Senate. So I'm kind of excited about this. Yeah, just kind of going through. Man, why? They should have their signs better. This is really dumb. It's like all over the place. Guess I poke my head in here. Okay. Well, I got my ID with me. So that's always good to have. Just waiting in line. Okay. Well, this is annoying. I did not know that I need to have that I needed to have a form of current address. Kind of makes sense though. I guess you always really need to have those. So let's see if I can cast my ballot for this area. 
Okay. Well, joy of all joys. I guess I'm going to need to come back later, after I go to work. But, I mean, at least I know that I'm registered here, right? That's kind of good, you know? Too bad they can't take that. It's kind of annoying. But, oh well. I guess I will come back later and cast my vote. So this is my first attempt at voting. Well, needless to say, it was not done very well. Hopefully everyone else knows that they have to have form of current ID and current place where they live. So, hopefully I'm not the only person that's done this. <laughs> but I will just come back later and cast my vote. <laughs> Anyways, but is it just me or would the people seem to be kind of cranky? Oh well, guess they've been dealing with rabid fans all day. Anyways, check it. See you later. <laughs> wow, congratulations so, on your first vote casting. I, yeah, my attempt to <laughs> vote. The American experience. <laughs> That's just horrible. Well, it was so funny because they just said, oh, yeah, all that you need is your driver's license. So I even you have it right here with license, me. Which we've been passing I, around looking at the picture. Yeah, I know. It's, it's pretty bad. Um, but I was just like, OK, so got there and they're just like, oh, it has <clears throat> your old address. It has to be the one of current address. And I'm like, well, it has my name. Right there, because I'm registered. And they're just like, nope, still need to have it. And so I was like, ah, really? So actually, so right you're gonna afterwards. go get another form of ID. Yeah, and then you're gonna go back. Mm-hmm. <sighs> See, Annoying. you know what we call this? This is the American way, <laughs> and it's not always perfect, but it works. Even if they have the name right in front of you and you have a picture ID saying, yeah. yep, this is me. You nope. said you thought that they were a little cranky. Yeah. No. That's oh, not cranky. Apparently not. That's a poll worker. Is that what they call them? <laughs> that's a... Uh, I, everyone seems a little on edge because I think there's a lot of rules. They want to make everything right. Yeah. But ours ours is great. We got through... I, mine only took, um, let's see, probably 20 minutes today. But do you know how long I waited in line to be told that? How long? Like 40 minutes. Hmm. So that was kind of the thing. I'm like, I waited here for 40 minutes and no one could have told me that. <laughs> yeah. And Hopefully the later it'll be very, less of a yeah. line. You know what? It's just, that's it. there's some people right now waiting in line, I guess, an hour to vote, two hours to vote. Isn't that crazy? Yeah. Sky. He Where, just goes, Did you yeah. vote today, Sky? No, I sent in a ballot, an absentee ballot, because I'm registered to vote in Iowa. Oh. So, oh, Iowa. Iowa. Yeah, we've heard a lot about you, Skyboy. <laughs> yeah, kind of a big deal. Kind yeah. of a big deal. <laughs> just, we don't like to brag. He just smiles. <laughs> we pretty much are one of the elite in choosing primary <laughs> candidates and in the final battleground states. Proud of you, dude. Thank you. Really, it's a big deal to vote. And uh, so don't give up. Make sure we'll let you off early tonight so you can go get your ballot in. Yeah. We need They're your open until late, so I'm good. You're good. <laughs> Interesting stuff. So I uh, hope you're out there voting as you're out there in listener land. Really, it's a right. It's a privilege. And uh, we want to make sure you're taking advantage of it. When we come back, we're going to wrap up the show, give you a little bit of ranting from one of our great producers, Bryce, and the Bryce is Right. You're listening to The Matt Townsend Show right here on Sirius XM 143 BYU Radio.
Shields is gear, passion, sports, and great events that help you get the most out of the activities you love. Here's what Shields is bringing you next. Are you a BYU Cougars fan? Shields is having a BYU pep rally with games, food, music, and prizes. UPS also welcomes Robbie Bosco, former BYU All-American quarterback, for a meet and greet at this event. The BYU pep rally at Shields, Friday, November 9th from 5 to 8 p.m. Seals, we're right there with you and right there in Sandy at 114th and State Street. Driving bumper to bumper isn't new. Doing it at highway speed is. This is Innovation Now, bringing you stories of revolutionary ideas, emerging technologies, and the people behind the concepts that shape the future. Researchers at the University of Minnesota recently published a study that shows a new way for cars to detect likely collisions before they happen, using magnetic fields. Even cars made mostly from plastic and composite materials have a magnetic field, which can be detected with a very inexpensive sensor called an AMR. Cars have been equipped with proximity sensors before, based on radar or sonar, cameras, even lasers. But besides being expensive on the order of $1,000 per unit, those sensors sometimes have trouble detecting obstacles at less than one meter away. Using a pair of $10 AMR sensors, the Minnesota team could precisely sense the distance between moving cars. The developers envision using AMR sensors to give cars the ability to sense imminent collisions and trigger systems to tighten seatbelts, lock doors, and deploy airbags just before a crash. The sensors could also make it easier than ever to park your car in a tight space, as well as enable future self-driving cars to travel at highway speeds, literally bumper to bumper, in perfect safety. For Innovation Now, this is Buddy Rubino. Innovation Now is produced by the National Institute of Aerospace through collaboration with NASA and is distributed by WHRV. Visit us online at innovationnow.us. After months of fierce campaigning, it's finally time for 2012 election results. Tune in at 8 p.m. Eastern on November 6th for live continual updates on the neck-and-neck race between President Obama and BYU alumnus Mitt Romney. Our broadcast will feature experts from both parties weighing in and will be hosted by BYU political science professor David B. Magleby. Tune in at 8 p.m. Eastern on November 6th here on Sirius XM 143 BYU Radio. Welcome back, everybody, to the Matt Townsend Show. We're uh, wrapping up this, uh, I guess it's our political show, even though we've tried not to get too political and maybe more just discuss your rights, the the opportunity you have to vote. This is a big day. A lot of people have, um, you know, put it out there. And I think in the end, we all ought to be grateful no matter what that uh, we at least have this opportunity to live in this country and have the rights that we do. But... Before we go there, everybody thinks that they are the smart ones. But are you really? Our producer Bryce Tobin seems to think that this idea is dangerous for elections. Look, I don't want you to take this the wrong way, but I'm about to rant. This is the Bryce's Right. Hey, I've got a terrifying thought to share with you. There's a little interesting connection that I've noticed. The more you are into politics, the more likely you are to have picked your candidate a long time ago. Think about it. The person who is watching C-SPAN... Wait, what's that? You don't know what I'm talking about? It's... 
It's that channel that's in the way of the stuff you actually want to watch while you're flipping channels. I once lived in a place where we had all three C-SPAN channels, and it felt like an excruciating crawl through a desert devoid of any entertainment value while channel surfing. Anyway, the person who DVRs C-SPAN, they know what's up. It's their mission to always make informed political decisions and weigh in on political discussions. They knew who they were voting for before the person was even recognized as a candidate. So then you move on down the line to someone like me. Any degree of political understanding is nothing sought after. It's more just the accumulation of what I've been subjected to by people who are bad at picking up on body language while sharing their own opinions. You know, it's the subtle hints that they have trouble with. Things I do like trying to talk about something else, putting my headphones back on, or walking away that they just don't seem to pick up on. But it's whatever. A few months ago, I figured out who I was voting for. But if you keep going past me, you find the laughably ignorant. Government has its place in the world, and while I don't love it, and some people may like it a bit too much, it's an incredibly dumb idea to not know anything about it at all, especially if you plan on getting involved in the process. So here's the terrifying thought. The people who know almost nothing about politics and are deciding who they're going to vote for at the very last minute, they are the ones who are really deciding an election. The people who know what's going on, they've been heavily polled for a long time. Anyone important's already known about who you're going to vote for, and you don't vacillate. That's right, it's the generally clueless people that the candidates are worried about. You know, the people who show up all willy-nilly like. The ones who wake up and realize, oh, today is voting day. I better go and vote for someone because that's what you do on voting day. This attitude concerns me because everyone should definitely have the opportunity to vote. But I don't think there's anything wrong with wanting people to vote based on some knowledge of what's going on. I mean, if you have no idea who is who or what is going on, are you really voting? Then again, attaching qualifications as a prerequisite for voting raises a lot of ethical issues, and that stuff gets messy fast. So I don't know what to do. Isn't it strange how the tables have turned? Normally those who are informed are the ones shaping this world, but it seems that the idiots have their heyday on election day. Life has a mean and scary sense of humor. And this is why every chance I get, I go all Lovecraftian and I write in a vote for the Dread Cthulhu. Because why choose a lesser evil? All right, I'm out. And remember, don't forget to be awesome. Another great rant from Bryce Tobin. The Bryce is right. Um, You know, we've heard about these independents that just don't know. They're undecided. We still don't know. They're out there. Uh, I think that was directed to you. Now, as we wrap this up, we're going to leave you with just a little bit of a heaven, I call it. A little bit of... uh, You've heard about every election topic you can. You've heard these candidates go at it. There really is one place where I think they they come together and they they bring in the joy. They bring in the love. It's kind of international. It's multicultural. Uh, there's this big movement going on on the Internet. You may have heard of it called Gangnam Style. It's a dance craze that uh, – is that how you say Gangnam Style? Gangnam. Say that real loud for me. Gangnam. Gangnam. Oh. Yep, Gangnam oh. Style. Oh. Gangnam Style. <laughs> a sexy It's a lady. dance craze. Okay, let me just hear a little bit of it. This is from Skylar's home studio. <laughs> yeah, I, I made this. It's a dance move. They do dance. Open Gangnam Style. Gangnam Style. Rock shaking it right now. Tapping my toe. I hope you can hear it. Anyway, it's pretty popular. And if you go on to YouTube and you need a good laugh tonight, all you got to do is put in Gangnam Style uh, and Barack Obama, Mitt Romney. You'll get to see both of them 
Oh, strutting their stuff. Yeah, it's funny how that viral video is going around. The interesting thing about it, President Barack Obama was asked by one interviewer Tuesday about Gangnam Style, dance craze, during the radio spot with WZID-FM in New Hampshire. The commander-in-chief was pressed on whether he and the First Lady would do a rendition of South Korean rapper's uh, hit of uh, this Gangnam Style um, for their at their inaugural ball. He said, I just saw the video for the first time. But Obama replied, I think I can do that move. But I'm not sure that the inauguration ball is the appropriate time to break that out. Maybe, he concluded, we will do it privately for Michelle. So there you go, folks. We got something to laugh at and something we can all come together on. Thanks for joining us for the show today. We're going to let you go and uh, hopefully let you and uh, yours have a great night. Remember, you're lucky to be an American and uh, be grateful that you have the rights to vote and the rights to uh, do Gangnam Style anytime you'd like. <laughs> Thanks for joining us right here on the Matt Townsend Show on Sirius XM 143 BYU Radio. <laughs>